Are you ready to help decide the winners of the Servi Awards? Our award that recognizes the front of house all-stars that keep the restaurant industry going? After receiving close to 8,000 nominations from all 50 states, our industry judges have selected 40 finalists. But it's up to you to decide who wins the Servi's trophy, a pair of free snib shoes, and a $3,000 tip. Three thousand dollars. Visit theservies.com to meet the finalists and hear their stories. From Montana to Florida, there are some fantastic stories of folks who make us proud to work in this industry. You can vote once per category every single day through September 17th. This is just one of the many ways we're working to make life a little better for the restaurants we love, and there's more good stuff to come. Vote today at theservies.com. Now here we go. We say, look at this forum. Look at the cool stuff they're doing. We're really proud to be their partner. And I think that's just very subtle. But the climate crisis doom and gloom talk is probably not going to really draw in your customer as much as an upbeat, interesting story. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry. Featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. Sandra Noonan is running a tech startup within the fast casual concept, Just Salad. She works on the bleeding edge of sustainability, pushing her guests towards a restaurant model that serves the needs of our planet as well as it serves them. It hasn't been an easy road, and today Sandra walks us through what's worked, what hasn't, and what we can do to help usher in the future of sustainable living. So I graduated from Columbia University in New York City in 2005 with international affairs degree. And I went into journalism and covered financial markets for a long time in the middle of the financial crisis. I was a little burned out after that and found myself at the Morgan Stanley Institute for Sustainable Investing. So I went from covering financial markets to this big financial institution that was just starting to create an organization to pioneer and bring a perspective to what sustainable investing should be. What does ESG mean? What are the key debates in the market? And so in that role, I was finding myself in rooms with climate scientists and people who were experts in the field of sustainability writ large. And that was where I really started to see this as a career. Fast forward a few years, and I was reading an article in The New Yorker about ocean plastic. And I kind of noticed some headlines about plastic floating in the ocean and these islands of trash in the ocean but hadn't really taken a deep dive until this New Yorker article. And that is when the magnitude of the ocean plastic problem and of unsustainable single-use packaging production really hit me in a way that was both intellectual and emotional. And so as a child growing up in Florida near the ocean, I, I just had this moment where I said I did not sign up for a system like this. I thought that our recycling systems worked. I thought that putting something in a recycling bin was essentially a guarantee of its recyclability and that it will be recycled. And as I went down a rabbit hole of research, I realized that that simply was not the case. 
And I founded an organization on the side of my day job. At the time I was at Citigroup, I founded an organization called Zero Waste NYC. And I was trying to find people like me who were concerned about packaging waste, had had the realization it really doesn't all get recycled and what to do about it in your daily life and what businesses are willing to engage on that problem. And in the course of running that advocacy group, I started really networking with a lot of New Yorkers who had the same concerns. And I discovered Just Salad. And Just Salad was this eureka moment for me at the time because one of my concerns was food packaging. And realizing that a lot of food packaging is not recycled, it's not composted routinely by any means. And just salad, I saw this New York Times article that mentioned it had a reusable packaging program. And I was so impressed and so surprised because it was such a rarity. This is in 2019. And so I became a customer. I tried out the reusable program. I started having my zero waste NYC meetings at just salad. And then I reached out to the company and I said, this is a big deal that you're doing this. You're pioneering a circular model for packaging. And I'd like to explore other ideas with you. And that led to a conversation with our CEO and founder, Nick Kenner. And a few months later, I was working at Just Salad and helping to lead the next generation of its reusable packaging program. And you hold the title of Chief Sustainability Officer, which most of our restaurants don't have. How would you describe what you do for a living within the confines of that role? Sure. So it's a role that comprises a number of big themes is how I would explain it. One theme is certainly waste and packaging. We are a company that's obsessed with reusable packaging. That's part of our brand. So one big bucket of my role is developing and growing our reusable packaging program. Another element of the role is sourcing food sourcing, supply chain, finding partners on ingredients that are regeneratively grown, that have an innovative sustainability story to them. Another element of the role is quantifying our environmental impact. So what is just salad's carbon footprint? How much do we emit as an organization annually? And really estimating and finding ways to reduce our company's footprint. And finally, just being a provocative voice in our industry or innovation when it comes to all of the above. It sounds expensive. It sounds very, very expensive. I'm sure a lot of the people listening are wondering, when you started at the company, did your sheer existence and your initiatives impact the price of the salads? So breaking that down, we had a supply chain function that was already focusing on sustainability. So my role was the first full-time chief sustainability officer role. And so, yes, that is something that Just Salad is unique in, that we appoint, we have an executive looking at sustainability for our size in the marketplace. That's quite unique. However, when it comes to the expense component of sustainability or however, however you want to put it, that is not as clearly an expense as you might think. For example, our reusable bowl program Keep in mind that every time one of our customers uses one of our reusable bowls, they're not using a disposable container that costs money, right? So they're displacing a single-use container. Raw material prices are increasing. And so every time that customer comes in, the cogs of that menu item doesn't include that paper cost. 
that is a net savings to just sell it. However, where it gets more nuanced is that we provide an incentive to customers who choose to reuse the, the reusable bowl and we give them a free topping every time they come in. So the expense is offset by a free topping, free salad topping. What you then have to factor in is the brand and loyalty benefits of being a company that tells its customers free food for people who care about the planet. That is something that also deserves to be quantified. It's a little harder to quantify, but it's something that in the years ahead, we'll have a much better handle on. So is that program expensive? It depends on how you look at it. For us, it's, I would say it's actually a wash in dollar terms and net positive for us in loyalty terms. Is it a luxury? I mean, in 2022, with everything that's going on with the planet, I mean, I was watching the news this morning and it said that there's a storm in Texas, that it's a one in a thousand years storm creating all of this flooding. Is sustainability optional at this point? Or is it something that as an industry we're obligated to do and that our customers genuinely care about? You know, I think you still have license in the marketplace to operate with a minimal sustainability message or operation. But long term, I think that that license will be less easy to maintain without some really serious and genuine action to reduce your enterprise's environmental footprint. And I say that because the Gen Z customer is much more tuned to global heating. I don't really use the term climate change. I prefer global heating. They're much more attuned to that and they are looking for brands to lead. So is it a luxury? I guess I would reframe that as it's certainly not a luxury to operate in a world where there's species extinction and drought, water scarcity. So is sustainability a luxury? No, it's kind of a necessity if we're all trying to live in a habitable planet. And when we look at consumers, I think that it is going from being a nice to have to a need to have. You're seeing that customers are demanding that we are responsible with the things that we are using within our restaurants and they care and they're making buying choices based on that. Prior to the pandemic, my restaurant was included on the Seafood Watch app. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many people came in. It's a different kind of customer, right? It's not this hemp t-shirt wearing Volkswagen van driving. I mean, it's representative of an entire generation that is making buying choices based on their values. And one of the things that they value most is the sustainability of the planet. Yeah, I think that one of the ways that manifests for Just Salad is, again, through our reusable packaging program. And it's interesting that this program keeps thousands of pounds of waste out of landfills annually. It has a lower carbon footprint after two uses than a disposable container. I will say that when you are introducing initiatives that are slightly less convenient, like a reusable container, we are still in a place where you have to provide an incentive for engaging in that behavior. So for us, we do see customers who love our initiatives and participate in them out of pure concern for planetary health, but they would not be as successful if we didn't pair them with rewards. 
So we wholeheartedly embrace that and we try to tie rewards with sustainability. And a key example of that is that reusable control program. Let's talk about marketing because marketing is definitely a hurdle because sustainability, at least when you practice it with consistency, it has to become part of your story, but not in a way that it's, look at this good thing that we're doing. We're really good people. You should give us your money. How have you guys messaged sustainability since you took over the role in a way that resonates authentically with your customer base? A couple ways. One, again, running promotions at certain parts of the year that tie sustainability with a reward is effective. We see increases in purchases of our lower footprint items on our menu when we say on Earth Day, we're running a promotion where you come in and you'll get a discount on our climatarian items, items with lowest carbon footprint. So being a brand that really proactively seeks to reward sustainable behavior is something that you'll see throughout the calendar for us. The other thing is food, the storytelling around food. So people take an interest in where their food comes from and the farmers who are growing it. And so we have partnered with a sustainable rice farmer recently, domestically, a quinoa producer who's regenerative organic. And we seek to explain how that food is different how the farming practices are different. And not only do our customers react to that positively, our employees do as well. And that is also something, I know it wasn't part of your question explicitly, but your employees also need to be inspired and understand what the initiatives are so they can explain it to the customer. So that's been a focus for us too this year, the storytelling around our food and why it is lower impact. We finally seek to pair data with storytelling. So on our menu, we quantify the carbon footprint of every item. So next to calories, there's also the carbon footprint expressed in kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent. And we know at the ingredient level, If we introduce vegan feta, for example, vegan feta cheese, we can work with our partner who calculates the carbon footprint to quantify the impact of switching from a conventional feta cheese to a vegan feta cheese. And we work on that for many months and then think about ways to communicate that to the customer in a way that's interesting. All to say, (laughs) data, storytelling, and employee engagement we try to work on holistically. I will not tell you we have it totally figured out, but it is something that we work very hard at. Has working with smaller or let's say more unique purveyors helped you alleviate supply chain constraints? Not so much. I think that some of the supply chain dislocations we've seen around animal protein, for example, haven't been alleviated by anything we can do except wait for things to normalize. So the big supply chain constraints we see have been in animal protein, particularly the prices of chicken, for example, been through the roof for the past year or two. However, what I will say is being a company that doesn't serve beef, that has 
committed to not serving beef and only serves one animal protein on its menu, which is chicken, has probably simplified our lives. (laughs) I bet. So I would just reframe it that way. Most entrepreneurs don't have a ton of respect for C-level executives. When you're this scrappy startup, you look at corporate drones and you say they have no appetite for risk, no tolerance for failure, and they're slow to innovate. But not you. It's like you're running this agile startup within a larger company. Truly. And I see you experimenting constantly. The reusable bowl program that you've mentioned a couple of times is a great example. What is your feeling on failure when you're working within a much larger construct, but constantly trying new things? My feeling on failure is that it's much more common than success. For every public-facing success story, Just Salad is able to share with the world, whether it's being the first chain to launch third-party verified carbon labels on its menu, or reaching 2 million reusable bowl uses, or launching a digital circular packaging program in our app. For every one of those things, there are little background failures like you know, launching a pilot with a company on zero waste packaging that just didn't work because for whatever reason, you just couldn't get the buy-in. I feel like for every success, there are five failures in the background. And that's just kind of how we roll. We fail and innovate and fail. And it's part of our brand to push the envelope. So we're happy when things work. And we have to do it within the constraints of our economics and our industry. It's not like we're sitting here just throwing a ton of resources into things and hoping they work. We are a mission-oriented company. We allocate our resources very thoughtfully to initiatives that will make us more profitable, improve our margins, but we also allocate resources to things that are a little less of a shoe-in because We are committed to being a a next-gen kind of model for the restaurant industry, and that entails some failure. Is there a scientific method to the way that you guys roll out new projects, new initiatives when you're experimenting? As an independent restaurateur, you try a bunch of different things. I used to joke and say we were in a constant state of improvement, maybe. Certainly not for a lack of trying. But you don't know when it's gone on too long. It's hard to tell when you should quit or when you should double down. Do you guys have a method in place? And if so, can you unpack what that looks like? Well, the first thing is I operate in a very scrappy way. So, for example, our whole carbon labeling initiative I did in the middle of, I led in the middle of the COVID pandemic with essentially zero resources and just found a way to make it work. and. That was done with almost no budget. And what happens is when you work really, really hard on a kind of a a moonshot project like that is if it does work, your brand starts to attract attention and you're able to get partnerships with other brands that are willing to give you a bit of a break because they see how utterly committed you are. So in the good scenarios, what happens is you work really hard for a year, you're really scrappy, you put weekends, nights, no money, just your effort into it, and you reap the rewards later. 
that has been the case for me and my team a couple of times now. So I don't want to give the impression we have a huge budget behind all of our sustainability initiatives, just like every other department, we're resource constrained and we do what we can with what we have. So I think that it's a myth (laughs) that just because there's the CSO role, there is this unlimited amount of resources available. (laughs) That's far from the case. And then when do you quit? So you start with this thesis, right? We're going to do X, Y, and Z with the desired result of Y. Do you set clear metrics that if this doesn't work in 90 days, or if this doesn't work based on these data points, that in 90 days, we're going to pivot into something else, or we're going to scrap the program? So one example to think about is our digital reusable program. You're in the Just Add mobile app. You want to order in a reusable container, we allow you to do that. And then when you check out, you are told that you can pick it up in a reusable container and return it for washing and sanitation. And this is addressing the huge issue of packaging waste. That is a program that requires some tech resources to build. The way we do it is we're very careful. We start with a pilot. So right now, that program in our mobile app is in a two-store pilot. We look at metrics. We want to see what percentage of customers opt into the program with zero marketing. So in the absence of any marketing, is this getting traction? If we're seeing that the program's a total failure, which which we're not seeing, we would pull back on that program. But we certainly look at metrics before launching something across the company. I think in this kind of work, you want to always be testing on a smaller scale before rolling out. When do you quit? If it's certainly if there's not a real ROI that you can show, then it's time to pivot to another way of operating that particular initiative. What menu adjustments have you made to further sustainability goals? Because I would imagine that's a delicate balance between your initiatives, the culinary team's initiatives, the overall marketing strategy. How do you guys reconcile and work together? So we think about culinary and sustainability on a couple of big themes. One theme is animal protein and giving our customers exciting plant-based alternatives to try. So starting in 2019, We eliminated beef from our menu, as I alluded to earlier, and at the same time launched a plant-based beef item on our menu. And that was a very deliberate choice to make that elimination and introduce that new menu item at the same time. Since then, we have sought to offer plant-based chicken and continue to do that vegan feta cheese, which has a lower carbon footprint than normal. So that plant-based alternative sleeve is one area where we're always looking for new, exciting flavors. The other is sourcing. So we want to source as close to our stores as we can. We visit local farmers, work with them to procure locally farmed produce as often as we can. And we try to find regenerative, organic, upcycled ingredients. Those are two big categories of sustainable ingredients that we're really excited about. 
regenerative organic ROC is like the next generation after organic, where you're combining farming methods that are soil, ultra soil conscious with lower use of pesticides or fungicides. And then upcycled foods are really interesting too in the snack category, where you're seeing snacks that are made from foods that would otherwise have gone to waste, but were perfectly edible. So we also look at like, aside from plant-based proteins, what kind of innovation on the sourcing side is worth pursuing? And those are two ROC and upcycled foods that we're excited about. I want to talk about education because it's one thing to educate our staff and it's the other thing to educate our customer base. And it's a delicate balance. The joke that I tell is when you're driving through Burger King to get a sandwich, nobody wants the person that's handing them the sandwich to be like, you know what? You could save a lot of money on gas and help the planet by driving an electric car, right? Mm -hmm. People just want their sandwich. We serve as an industry, a very specific role in people's lives. But when you're working on something that is so important, I think it's important to not just meet your audience where they are, but to inspire others and educate them in any way that we can. But it's a delicate balance. How much is too much? How far is too far? It's too much if you're not thinking about your customer's point of view and how they'll react to it. So that education it has to come in the form of storytelling that is interesting enough to your customer that they're going to open an email about it, or they're going to read a menu board, or it's going to resonate with what they want and need from your brand. And that's really hard. Again, I'm not saying we have perfected this, but we know enough about our customer to make the choice to talk about sustainable rice farming on our menu board, you know, to display the, the picture of the farmer who's the soil conservationist of the year. That menu board's going up in the fall. We think our customers are interested in that. And so it's not like, did you know that rice farming is super carbon intensive and one of the causes of a huge contributor to carbon emissions? That's not the angle we take, even though it is an underlying catalyst for us pursuing more sustainable rice. We don't say it that way. We say, look at this farm. Look at the cool stuff they're doing. We're really proud to be their partner. And I think that's just very subtle. But the climate crisis doom and gloom talk is probably not going to really draw in your customer as much as an upbeat, interesting story. So we try to focus on that angle instead. Let's assume your phone rings off the hook. Everybody wants a chief sustainability officer now. For local independent restaurants, what does sustainability look like? Where's the low-hanging fruit? Yeah, the low-hanging fruit is, I think, if you want to be systematic about it and you have the resources, let's assume for a minute you do. If you have the resources to do a carbon footprint assessment, that's a big assumption do it. What you'll find if you're a restaurant is most likely that most of your carbon emissions come from your food supply chain. And within the food supply chain, the carbon emissions are going to be concentrated in proteins. And so low-hanging fruit implies it's easy to fix that, which it's not necessarily. So you could think about that long and hard and figure out how to reduce the carbon footprint of your supply chain. 
And that's a longer conversation. And just out is, is definitely thinking about new ways to do that. But if you want to start somewhere a little easier, I think it's probably waste, especially food waste is a big contributor to restaurant. Our, certainly our company is carbon footprint. So we have taken steps to minimize the amount of food waste going into the waste bin every night, not only through good operations, because no good restaurant wants to throw away food, but also through innovative partnerships like Too Good To Go, a restaurant app where you can sell your surplus food on that app at a very steep discount for the customer. That was an innovative approach for us, and it seems to be working out quite well and has saved thousands of meals. And it allows us to monetize food that would have gone in the garbage. So that is sustainability at its best for me. It is actually saving money and reducing an environmental externality. What are your goals for the balance of the year? What does success look like? For the balance of the year, we're working with some exciting suppliers on new partnerships that I can't talk about yet, but certainly on the sourcing side, we have some very interesting stuff. And then on our reusable bowl program, we are working on new ways to make the program even more compelling to our customers. It's a 16-year-old program and it's working really well, but we want to make it reach the next level. So we're working on something there. and. Finally, we're offering a class to other restaurant operators on how to scale reusable packaging. I think it's time that just shared its expertise more systematically. We can no longer really handle the amount of emails we get. So we're offering a course called Reusable Packaging Action Class. The details are at www.thenewgreennormal.com. And it's taking place on September 7th. And we're very excited to finally share what we know, and try to get other brands on board with reusables. The restaurant industry is filled with these unspoken rules and traditions about how things should be done. How would you like to see the industry turn the tables to create a better future for all of us? I think that other brands are doing very good work. I think that we should take a really hard line on waste, packaging waste particularly, because there are solutions. And that requires a real will. You have to change how you operate. I think that incentivizing customers to choose more plant-based options, there's a ton of psychological research on how you can make the plant-based items on your menu appeal more to the customer. I think that's something we should be doing. And Finally, not resting too much on these 2050 net zero targets. Those are very important, but they should not come at the expense of taking some radical action today to see reduced environmental impacts today. I know what I'm saying all is easier said than done by definition, but we do try to do that at Just Salad through some of our initiatives. and. It's hard work, for sure. That's Sandra Noonan. For more on Just Salad, visit JustSalad.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. 
Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.